That's the strident sound of New Model Army. Formed in 1980, these English rockers are still going strong with a new album titled Unbroken, just released. The band has had its ups and downs over the years, never really becoming stadium rockers, but that doesn't bother founding member Justin Sullivan. People sometimes say to me, where did you go wrong? <laughs> do you, and do you, do you regret that you never became a big band? And I thought, uh, think about it, and I think, I can think of all sorts of things we did wrong. For to start with, we refused to play any songs that anyone knew. Um, <laughs> it was a kind of, we never really wanted it. And someone was reminding me today, do you remember those Raw Melody Men gigs you did in the early 90s? And we basically went around and did a, a tour under a different name because we missed playing in small clubs. Oh. Anyway, we never, the, the point was, you know, the, the, you talk about when you're a mu young musician, you talk about making it. We used to talk about it. it was, when we make it, we go, we're going to make it. Yep. What you, what you mean when you're a young aspiring musician is, um, is to make a living from it. Yeah. That's the line. That is the big line that you cross. And we crossed that in 1984. Since when we've had some ups and downs and bits of success and bits of failure. Who gives a damn? You know, here we are after 43 years still doing precisely exactly what we love. Um, last time we looked in the fridge, there was food in it. Um, <laughs> the And and we've got an audience that accept that we're not going to play necessarily their favourite hit songs or whatever. Yep. They're interested. You know, we when a band's on their 16th album, which we just we are, um, most bands at that point are playing, you know, two songs from the new album and the hits. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to do that. We're going to go out on tour for a year and we're going to play the album. Um, and and we've got an audience that accept that. And I think that's probably the very best place to be, that you, you're still making a decent living from it, but we're kind of free. Yeah. We're well, free. I guess that's if you're in a band like Fleetwood Mac or the Eagles – your set list is set in stone pretty much. You can maybe ch change two things, but the rest of it is all the hits. And if you don't do them, all hell will break loose. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we still do have people writing to us uh, going, or somebody, I remember playing a gig in Budapest. Um, and, and this guy came around, each of us afterwards. We, we went out, it's a, it's a famous gig in Budapest. It's small, it's like, it's called the A38. It's a boat. It's on the on the Danube. Of course. Um, holds about seven, eight hundred people. So that was kind of the size we were, you know, playing. Yeah. And after the gig, we went out to meet what was after the remains of the audience and talked <laughs> to a few people. And this guy went round each one of us and he came up to me and said, You didn't play your hits. You didn't play Bagabonds. You didn't play Mid First Stage. You didn't play Green and Grey. You deserve to go out of business. <laughs> Well, there you go. And I said, I said, um, well, it's funny that because we don't we don't consider that we are a business. <laughs> right. Well, that, I mean, that, we're that... a band. We're not a business. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I have to say, one guy who's dealt with it pretty well is Bob Dylan. He's got, you know, he could be doing this. Yeah. There and you he go. Does whatever the, Do what the he wants. Do what the fuck you want. That is the secret because then when you go out on stage, you you know you're going to do what you what you love. Yeah, there's never a thing where we go out on stage thinking, "Oh God, I'm bored of this." Yeah, if you're bored of it, change it. Yeah, yeah. 
So it sounds like you you're you're kind of on the new record, Unbroken, changed your sound out a bit. There's a lot of drums on this thing. It's like thunderous stuff going on. That's that's well, it's one of the things. There's two things I think that that make us sound like us, and one is the sound of my voice, which sure. unfortunately I can't really change, and the other <laughs> one is this. Always the emphasis from day one has been about bass and drums. The 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 in most rock bands, you know, the, the bass and drums are kind of the backdrop to the, what the guitars are doing and the, right. the song and so on. With us, I think partly because when we started, I couldn't really play guitar, but Stuart really could play bass. And then Robert joined a few later years later and he really could drum. And I my first love was always Motown anyway. Right. And punk rock had kind of swept away all the rules, all the rules about how you were meant to make music. There are no rules. Do what you like. Yep. So we kind of came up with this principle that it's really just all about the bass and drums. And we've kind of stuck to that. And that's very much true on this album, but it's been true all along. Right, right, right. Okay. And so, so tell me, Unbroken, was originally the album being titled First Summer After and then it changed Unbroken, or did I just get that mixed up? No, I think you got that mixed up. It was always going to be... We couldn't... I think the title of the album was the very last thing we thought of. Okay. We <laughs> usually take a title from somewhere in the lyrics as a, yeah. the title of an album, so we that would be the title. This time, we really didn't have a title. I couldn't find anything in the lyrics that felt like a title for an album. And and then we looked at the picture that we'd picked some months before, you know, Jules's artwork that we've always used her artwork, right? And we saw this picture that, that we we picked this picture of the horse, the Greek Greek style image of the horse, and and I looked at the picture and went right, that's the cover. What's the title? And I looked at the horse. And I went, I'm broken like a horse. <laughs> yeah. And it feels, you know, as a band, we feel a bit like that. Yep. We've never quite uh, traded into the we're a bit of a strange band outside of everything we live in Bradford, which is a small forgotten city um we're very private we don't do a lot of social media things we're very pretty secret about the way we make music we're not right. uh, we're friendly enough <laughs> we're not but we're not in a scene and we never as soon as someone ever tried to find a genre for us our principal objective was to jump out of it you know, right. as soon as they tried to put, put us in a box, we wanted to jump out. Or as soon as we put ourselves in a box, like in Tunnel Constellation, then there was impurity and the violin thing. But we, we suddenly Britain was full in the early 90s of um, bands playing kind of rock music with violins with folk, folk melodies. And we thought, okay, done that. Right. We could feel a kind of, folk rock cul-de-sac beckoning us right. and we went not going not getting stuck there let's do something different and we went off and did an album called the love of hopeless causes which is kind of uh quite american in its sound it was produced by nico bolas mixed by bob clear mountain and it's really a rock album that's full of guitars and and uh it's a rock album it well, didn't have a violin on it right um you know it was like you know, you think we're this. Well, we're fucking not. We're this. Yeah. You know, and then later on, we're going. Well, we could be this, or or we'd be this, or. And the last, over the last couple of years, it's been a while since we released an album. The last album was from here in two thousand nineteen. 
Right. We wanted to take a step out of everything that was kind of happening. The you know, we'd already written about Trump and Brexit and, and stuff slightly <laughs> before they happened on the winter album, but we kind of knew what was going to happen on the referendum about Brexit. Yeah. So we'd done that and we wanted to take a step out and look at bigger picture and all the things that we have in common instead of all the things that divide us. And we went off to a Norwegian island, which was very big and beautiful and bleak. It was March, it was snow everywhere and ice and snow on the beach. And 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 we made this record that sounded like that. Right. Having And then we became a four-piece rather than a five-piece. And we quite liked that kind of bit more simplicity and directness of it. Right. Then a couple of years ago, we did the Symphonia Project, which was us with a massive bloody orchestra. Yep. So that was very expansive. And at the time, and all the time we were making this album, the, the Unbroken record, we're thinking, keep it simple, keep it simple. Something hard, direct and simple. And that's kind of what we made. And what you're hearing is really a bunch of demos. Oh, okay. They sound pretty so, good. <laughs> I, I agree, but that's partly, uh, that's got a lot to do with Chad. Quite right. early in, in the process, we were talking about mixers because, we can record ourselves. We didn't necessarily intend to, but we are capable of it. But mixing is something um, particular, right? And there, um, you know, there is a million people that can mix records, but there are there is this kind of top league, and you know, we've worked with four of these people now: Bob Clearmount, in Andy Wallace, um, Joe Barese, and now um, Chad Blake. Right. And it's a special. These people are special. I don't know how they do what they do. I really don't. We, is there a Chad some, Blake production or mix that drew you to? Is, it, it, it was, for me, I think for Michael, it was different ones. For, for me, it was, I think it was a Black Keys record that I hear, oh. heard years ago on the radio in Greece, and I didn't really know the Black Keys at the time. Yep. And I thought, is this very old or is it extremely modern? <laughs> and it was both at the same time. Right. Uh, and then, so I thought that is, that's a really interesting way of mixing a, a record. Yeah. So we, you know, he was very much on our radar and we, we wrote to him, we approached him and he said, he's, he's Texan, but he lives in Wales. Mm -hmm. um, and we approached him through his management and stuff. And he, he wrote back to him and said, send demos. So we sent these demos and he said, are these demos or are they works in progress? And we said, ah, oh, the demos. You know, we want to talk to you about where we should record it properly. Right. He said, I like the demos. <laughs> so well, he said, do you want to mix the demos? And he went, yeah. Yeah, that's all so right. We, 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 we cleaned them up a little bit and, sure. and we continued writing after. But really, there's something about, we were talking about this with him. There's something about when you first think of a part, and you've got an, a musical idea and you play it, you're not thinking about it. You're just excited about it, but you're not trying to play it right. You're just playing it and you're excited. And there's something about the way you first do something. And a lot of the things on the, you hear on the album are the first and only time they've ever been played. Mm. Um, and it had a certain, so it had that kind of immediacy. And Michael in particular 
I think he, when uh, uh, partly the responsibility that falls on a drummer within a band, and also then when the red light goes on, you know, we're all playing together in a posh studio with a producer, and he feels a kind of weight of responsibility. Right. But but recording in our own little studio, which is a kind of rehearsal room with some yep. decent microphones, but nothing nothing sophisticated. You know, he's just got he just plays. Yep. And he doesn't he's not thinking about it. He's just free. Right. There's lots of that on the record, you know, the drums and, and stuff. Yeah. Kerry is kind of free anyway. Dean is kind of like that as well. So it's got that kind of immediacy. And then we did some rough mixes and we sent we sent them to Chad and we expected him to change a lot. And he didn't. He <laughs> kind of copied our rough mixes, except that he made them sound three million times better. <laughs> and exactly how he did this, I don't know. It's, it's just, you know, he said, oh, it's not rocket. It's not a miracle. It's not rocket science. Fucking is a miracle. Yeah. Well, that's why you're paying him the big bucks, probably. Exactly. <laughs> that's why we paid him the big bucks. That's excellent. Yeah. So the album kicks off with First Summer After, and there's a video and blah, blah, blah. So why is that the one you've chosen to to make the kind of I like it. first I like it. the whole play. album is very new it's very the whole album is very new model army it's very us yeah it's very basic new model army so we One of the things that runs through through our all of our stuff is this kind of, on one hand, it's very kind of direct, quite aggressive. It's got a lot of that, you know. Yep, yep. At the same time, there's a huge amount of romance and beauty within it. And the two sort of run concurrently. And when we wrote that song, that song was written very fast in 22 um, and once we it was very easy to put together and i always liked it it was it's got those two things it's 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 quite beautiful in its way but it's got a lot of that so we thought that was a good way to kick off oh, okay yeah and i see you've just released a single i did nothing wrong just a few days ago i did nothing wrong they found me in the morning asleep in a sea of paper coffee stains and bits of paper failed songs and bits of paper and nothing's still resolved tick the boxes only only ones and zeros only tick the boxes winners and losers only only right and wrong innocent or guilty only well we we didn't really re release it. What happened is that it's up there. Song <laughs> is written about the it's written about the post office scandal right. that has been unfolding in Britain for uh, many years now. Um, a, a, a extraordinary monstrous tale of corporate arrogance. I don't know if you heard anything about it. I'd never heard of it until the song, and then I googled it, and now I've right. extraordinary tale. And <laughs> it's on Wikipedia page, so it's got to be big. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now the whole world is, you know, aware of this extraordinary scandal. But the thing is, I knew about it 
I didn't know about it when it was happening. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not really up to date, but I did know about it three years ago. Right. Um, during lockdown, I think I started reading about it. Um, and, 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 and now it's front pages in the UK because there's been a TV drama about it. Yeah. Even though the court case and, and the, you know, it's found that these people were innocent and that the software was faulty and that people have been covering it up and people have been treated monstrously by the by the post office. Yep. Um, we all we knew all this three, four, five years ago. Yep. Then it's still going on that they still haven't really given proper recompense to these people. And it's taken this TV drama to put it on the front pages. And the moment it hit the front pages, I thought, oh, let's put the fucking song out there. You know? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was written two years ago. But the song also takes a kind of broader sweep at the at the whole digital world, you know. Yeah. Well, it says something about the power of the media that nobody knew really about this until this drama came out. What January first is when it was. Well, they aired, didn't. Right? Well, okay, you're right. The, the The general populace didn't really know about it, but it has been in the news. Right. Sure. But it just hasn't been front page news in the way it should be. Right, until right. people actually see how people, how much people suffered as a result of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you think there's going to be a resolution ultimately, or is it going to get swept under the rug, <laughs> forgotten about I, the next tragedy? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, we had this Windrush scandal in the UK like uh, seven or eight years ago. The Windrush scandal broke, which is about how um, the these. Uh, people who who children do you know anything about the windrush thing not a thing it's like uh children of west indian immigrants that arrived in britain in the early 60s late 50s early 60s they were never documented right so they never had proper documentation they were just children. They arrived with these immigrants who then ended up working on, on the buses and in low-paid jobs, especially in London, but all over the country. And their children went to school in the UK, and now they have jobs working on wherever they work. You know, some have been successful, some have been less successful, like, any, like anybody. But they never had proper documentation. So these people, in the wake of, uh, you know, this absolute panic in Britain about immigration were being rounded up and sent back to Jamaica where they'd never actually been in right you know. right <laughs> and and again they were you know the go they would be picked up put on a plane sent back to Jamaica where they didn't know anybody yep and some of them died and and you know this kind of way that uh, governments and organizations and corporations treats ordinary people so when this all came out, everybody said, oh, this is terrible. We're so sorry. This should never have happened. We will make proper recompense. But actually, over the last seven or eight years, not much has happened. Yep, yep. No, no, no. And it's universal. I mean, look at this situation with uh, immigrants from coming in from Mexico and the States. It's just horrible. And it's been going on for years, you know, and there's no sign of it changing. You can... You can talk about these things. It's like the, you know, the second song on the album is language, the uh -huh. way language is used. And the 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 thing about it now, immigration, when when I was young, was a, quite a neutral word. You know, people have always moved from the sure. beginning of history of human beings. But human beings have moved. Yep. Um, it's neutral. Um, now it has become a kind of uh, a, a bad word. Yep. It's like a little bit like the other day I saw something about um, 
something about the problem with uh, the housing market. Uh, you know, panic. Um, no, was it panic? Um, bad, yeah, bad news for the housing market. And it was that the value of houses is not going to go going going up. Right. Actually, that's for a lot good, of people. That's, that's good. very good news. <laughs> I you know agree. What I mean? But we're taking it as the, the idea is that this yeah. is bad news. It's not bad news. Yeah. Well, I still don't understand why companies are making billions of dollars a year still have to feel that if they if they haven't made 10% more the following year, it, they're failing, you know, and they're still making a lot more than you and I are. <laughs> and then that, that brings us very neatly. You're doing this on purpose. Oh, yeah. The third yeah. Reload. Um, which is just a rant about money, you know. If I have to see another fucking Union Jack flying on the orders of the government, I'm going to be sick. The favourite colours of the years of the slavers taking everything and stashing it away in a pretty little Caribbean island. A company captains children are heading uptown all dressed to the nines for the taking of applause. You know, when the band started, the uh, 1980, this is Marks, you know, Thatcher and Reagan and the beginning of this um, school of neoliberal economics, which is, you know, allow money to do what it do money and money will trickle down and everybody oh, yeah. will benefit. <laughs> no. And 40 years later, it's extraordinary to me that we're still clinging on to this idea. It's yep. so obviously not true. Yes. You know, ob you know, as, as an experiment, you could look to the middle of the 90s and go, okay, it was worth a try, but it didn't work. And even after the 2008 crash, we're still doing it. Yep, yep, yep. And, and of course, in the States, everything got deregulated and we're still paying. That's why there's it's, like... It's, only, it's, two, only, debt, it's yeah. only debt that trickles down. That and other things that are less pleasant. <laughs> All righty. Have a great okay. day and good luck with the release. Thanks. Right Cheers. Bye-bye.